This is the Heartland Daily Podcast. The other day, Heartland's Justin Haskins, the director of our Socialism Research Center, was a guest on the morning show with Preston Scott out of Tallahassee, Florida. Justin is a frequent guest on Preston's program, and you can see why in this interview. Justin and Preston covered a variety of topics, from Robert F. Kennedy Jr. challenging President Biden for the Democratic nomination this year, to the showdown over the debt limit in the federal budget, to how Justin and the Heartland Institute are working to communicate with millennials and Gen Z about socialism so they realize just how destructive it is to their economic prospects and their personal freedom. Check out this brief, informative, and educational interview. Five minutes after. Great to be with you this morning. It's the third hour of the morning show with Preston Scott. I am Preston. That's Grant Allen. Show 4925 as we uh, make our way towards show 5000 sometime this year. God willing. It's all according to his good humor. But we, uh, we appreciate you joining us. Seriously, thank you for making time. And we are joined by... The guy that uh, we have grown very fond of around here on The Morning Show with Preston Scott. He's the executive editor at the Heartland Institute, executive editor as well for ensuring the op-eds and the publications. And uh, he also is the director of Socialism Research Center at the Heartland Institute, Justin Haskins. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I just I want to get your take on this. Grant and I have been talking about the decision of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. to enter the fray. I made this statement that he is an old school liberal, not necessarily an illiberal of today, and that he would be someone that I could actually find some common ground to work with on some issues. What, what's your appraisal about him? Yeah, I mean, I, I, think to, I think to some degree that's true. I, I don't know everything about his platform, and I'm sure there are many things with which you and I would not agree with him. Yep. But I, I don't get the sense that he is uh, an authoritarian by any stretch of the imagination, and I don't get the sense that his ultimate goal in life is to dramatically expand the size of government to the point where they control every aspect of, of how we live. And so... I would say that makes him extremely moderate for today's Democratic Party, and I think that that would be great if he were, you know, at least at least if they had a conversation with him. But I think they're they're rigging the rules so that there really isn't going to be an actual competition between these two. So how do you uh, how so how are they rigging the rules? Well, they're ensuring that the primaries that Joe Biden will will likely do well in are uh, are going to come first. Um, that's that's one of the biggest things they're trying to do. The state of New Hampshire is trying very hard to make sure that doesn't happen, but um, I, I don't think that they're going to – I don't know if they're going to be successful on that. I think it's going to be very tough for them to pull that off. Um, and then in addition to that, um, just the nature of primaries, both in the Democratic and Republican primaries, this would be true, it just – the way the delegates work and superdelegates and all this stuff, it, it dramatically favors someone who is an, an incumbent president, just the nature of the, of the party. And of course, the media, which isn't part of the, the uh, primary process officially, but it might as well be, uh, the media 
is never going to allow this man to get enough airtime to ever win an election. And I don't think they'll have any debates either. Um, so all of, the, all of that, I mean, combined, I just don't see how it will be a fair uh, fight. I'm curious. I know you are far more of a, a, a wide, well-known across a wide swath of this country with your appearances with Glenn Beck on Fox News and so forth. But away from that, have you ever had a conversation with a person in private that you know or knew his name or her name that actually believes Joe Biden is doing a great job as president? Oh, no, Preston. No, I've never met anyone, truly. (laughs) I've never never met anyone. I know many liberals. People are surprised by that, but actually most of the people in my personal life are actually left-leaning people, some of them very left-leaning people. And... um, I don't know any of them who think that Joe Biden is doing a good job. In fact, they often make fun of Joe Biden. Um, but, they, but, but if put up against a Republican, they'll, they'll vote for anyone. They'll vote for someone who's you know, living out the plot of Weekend at Bernie's. Like they'll, they'll do that. They'll vote for him again. So I, you know, it's sad, but I, I think that um, – they have the media and academia and Hollywood. They have so demonized the Republican Party and they have so demonized conservatives generally that there are many people who it really doesn't even matter who the candidate is for the Democrats. They will never, ever in a million years vote for a Republican. And you need a candidate who can break through that and reach people on the other side. That's really, really hard to do. But it's not, it's not impossible. I used that word earlier. It's not impossible, but it's very, very difficult. I want to pick up right there when we come back. Justin Haskins with us. We do have some things we, we plan to discuss, but I'm off on one of my rabbit trails here on The Morning Show with Preston Scott. The Morning Show with Preston Scott. Justin Haskins with us from the Heartland Institute. And um, you were just talking about the need to communicate and reach to the other side. I'm struck by the fact, Justin, that whether it's some of the PragerU videos or campus reform back in the day, um, when you get to talking to people, just calmly explaining, you know, why good guys with guns are needed to stop bad guys with guns and, and whatever the issue might be. And you make the points, people go away going, wow, I guess I need to reconsider my position. We need to communicate. Yeah, the, fu- the funny, so I, as part of the Socialism Research Center, you know, I, a lot of what we've done is directed towards younger people. And we've had lots and lots and lots of conversations with very concerned parents and people who are just concerned citizens about what's going on with America's youth. And the thing that the sort of uh, spark of hope that I want to give everyone who's a parent out there or older person who's just concerned about um, the rise of socialism with younger people and left-wing thinking is that uh, the more you talk to younger people about these ideas, the more you realize it is not deep-seated. They really don't – they believe these things without having ever thought of them because that's all they've ever been told in many cases. And – Really, most ideology just comes down to, well, the other side must be racist, or the other side must be homophobic, or the other side must be sexist. And they really haven't 
thought about the issues very much at all. And when you actually start citing data and you start talking to them calmly and you talk about compassionate ideas within conservatism, they change real quick. The demeanor changes very, very fast. And so uh, it's, it's really disturbing what has happened, no doubt about it. And if we don't do something as, as conservative people, then our country will be lost, to be sure. But younger people are not die-in-the-wool socialists. Most of them can't even define what socialism is. It's just they're believing it because that's all they're getting day after day after day from, from the establishment. I'm curious what your thoughts are as we are hearing about this negotiation inside the beltway between the president and the House on the budget. What's the practical, pragmatic position to take on all of that? We can't keep going into debt, but we seemingly are. Yeah, I mean, to be totally honest, it just seems like this cycle is never going to end until the negotiation results in firm uh, rules that are permanent going forward. Um, the problem is whatever rules you have about reducing spending over time or something, the Democrats will come in when they have power next with a Democratic president, and they will get rid of all those rules. And uh, I, would, I would almost rather see Republicans spend their capital and their time, their political capital, trying to convince Americans that we need, like, a constitutional amendment to control spending. I was or just going to ask you, or something. Justin, I was just going to ask you, this circles back to the Convention of States, because one of their issues, one of the main issues that's on every, on all the legislative uh, bills that have been passed to support a constitutional convention of states is a balanced budget amendment. Right. Mo- in fact, most of the, 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 if you, there's a lot of different ways to call for an Article 5 uh, convention of states for an, a new amendment, but the, the most popular one that's been passed in the most number of states specifically calls for, for it to only deal with or for it to be one of the topics. That yeah, term with limits and, and the balanced budget. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, I, they're, they're, they're really actually not that far away from calling an Article 5 convention, which is really interesting. And Article 5 is a way for states, for those who don't know, to pass a constitutional amendment or to start that process without having Congress involved in the process at all. Um, at least at the beginning. So can that be done? Yeah, it's actually not that far away. They, they, they really don't need that many more states to do it. I don't have the count in front of me, but it's not inconceivable that they could do it. If all the red states did it, you wouldn't need too many blue states to go along. Uh, the problem is that Republicans spend all their time, uh, congressional cycle after congressional cycle, fighting battles over things that are short term. They're not long-term thinkers. Nope. And Democrats are long-term. The, the, the far left in particular is long-term think. They're long-term thinkers, and that's what we need to start doing. Justin, stand by. Justin Haskins with us. Another segment from the Heartland Institute and StoppingSocialism.com here on The Morning Show. with me from the Heartland Institute. Justin, before we move on, got a listener question. Would love to know why there isn't an annual or biannual vote on holding a convention of the states 
on the same date. Pin states down. These legislatures uh, pin them down, make them vote on the same day every two years. Um, I We've had folks on with Convention of States, but... Um, I, I just I, I think it's force feeding right now. You're trying to force people to do something that elected people don't want to do. They don't want to leave it over, open to the people. Yeah, well, uh, that, that's an interesting suggestion. I can understand why someone would, would think that that would work. The problem with that logistically is that you uh, the, the way states operate, it's completely different in every state. The way that they uh, their their calendar, the legislative calendar is different. In some states, they don't even take up non-budgetary issues uh, every year. Uh, some states are only in session for a few months. Some are in session all year. The way they do committees, all this stuff is completely different. So coordinating something like that would be almost impossible. And you, to your point, yeah, it's just not – look – State lawmakers, there are a lot of really good ones, okay? The, the average state lawmaker is better than the average federal lawmaker in terms of wanting to do the right thing, no doubt about that. But there's still a ton of state lawmakers that don't want to do the right thing, and, and leadership in particular tends to be, in a lot of states, uh, establishment types that are just trying to get ahead, trying to move up to Congress or trying to move up to the White House or whatever, and you need massive support from the public to move along something that's controversial. And uh, that's why Florida has been so successful is because you've had Ron DeSantis and other people sort of leading the charge on these things in Florida and building momentum behind it and using the bully pulpit to do important things. But in other states, the Republican leadership doesn't want to do it, so it doesn't happen. And the average person is not calling for a convention of states. Most people, even on the right, don't know what it is. So that's part of the problem, too. There needs to be a huge grassroots push for it. And that would mean the media would need to be heavily involved, and a lot of them don't even know what it is. So there's just so many issues with that. Uh, it's a great idea in theory. It's just how can we make, you know, how do we get the media and the public and everybody on the same page? It's just so difficult. Tell me this. You're, you mentioned Florida. Of course, ESG has passed the, the state legislature. Your thoughts? Yeah, the, the anti-ESG legislation is what you're talking about. Yep. Um, is a, It's a huge, the, the most comprehensive bill that has ever been passed in, in the United States of America was passed in Florida recently. Ron DeSantis has signed it into law. We've talked about it before, but it's, it's just an absolutely incredible bill. It, what it does is protects individuals from financial institutions imposing social credit scores and ESG and other things on them. Uh, and their families, as well as small businesses, medium-sized businesses, big businesses. They're all being protected in the state of Florida uh, from financial institutions using that social credit scoring system against them. That's the backbone of the Great Reset, the ESG scores. And so this is a huge, huge thing. It also makes it very difficult for local governments and state agencies, actually impossible in some cases, to use ESG in order to, uh, with, when they're getting contracts, government contracts, or when they're issuing bonds, or they're doing investments and all of that, so that your money as a taxpayer is not going to promote ESG causes. So this is there has never been a bill like this. Uh, that, well, there's been bills like this, but they have never been passed anywhere. Yeah, they and haven't usually, survived. Exactly. Leadership is usually the one that tries to kill it. So is 
are other states now, I mean, are you hearing from people that that are, you know, in positions of authority in state legislatures that now look at Florida and are looking at this bill saying, okay, now we've got a blueprint? Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that there are lots of state lawmakers on the ground who've been wanting this going back to early last year, January of last year, but it just couldn't there was just too much pushback from from big leaders, uh, establishment types, et cetera. And, it, and we are getting some – it does seem like the, the rumblings are that things are going to change. A lot of the legislative sessions are actually wrapping up this year for states, so we won't find out until next year in many cases whether that's going to happen. But I think that it will because it's so much easier to, to sell the idea of legislation that is sort of new ideas – um, new legislation when it's already been passed someplace, especially a prominent place, especially with the support of someone who's probably going to be running for president. It's just a much easier sell. Um, what these state lawmakers have been told in other places is that some of this stuff is illegal and it's unconstitutional or it's anti-business or it's all kinds of things that I just think are not true at all. Um, but that's what they've been told. And so now that there's a use case, uh, there's a there's a good chance that this is going to catch on elsewhere. We can only hope. All right, Justin, yeah. you're my friend. I appreciate <laughs> it very much for your time. Thank you. Of course. Until next month. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Justin Haskins with us here on the morning show with Preston Scott.